Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to the Square Circle Podcast. And if you love listening to this podcast and want to consider making your own podcast, just download the Anchor app. Anchor allows you to make any type of podcast you want all in one place, all for your convenience. You might think that this has some strings attached. It does not. So let me explain what Anchor can do for you. It is currently free. Well, it's probably always going to be free. There's creation tools within Anchor that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. How easy is that? And then Anchor will distribute your podcast so you can be heard on Spotify Apple, and all major podcast programs. And you could also make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It has everything you need in one place. Now all I need you guys to do is to download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Thank you guys. I am Marie Shadows, your host, and you are listening to the Square Circle Podcast, the best podcast you ever heard. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the official Square Circle Podcast on DLive. If you do not know what DLive is, it is a decentralized streaming platform ready and willing to give back to the creators, and then the creators could give back to the viewers who watch the stream. Everyone gets paid by cryptocurrency, so if you donate to us, we will donate right back to you. This is episode six. Uh, we apologize for coming so late onto the D Live platform, uh, but I thought it was necessary to like start now. Um, for any back episodes from episodes one through five, you could definitely catch that on our anchor profile, which uh, distributes all of our podcasts on all major platforms such as Spotify, Apple, Google. Uh, Stitcher and so much more and then also on our YouTube channels uh, youtube.com forward slash square circle podcast we also have the video ones there as well um, it is really awesome to be a part of the D-Life family and uh, share this with you guys and just talk uh, about wrestling um, it is created and I am the host Marie Shadows I am also part of Ravageland so this is in association with Ravageland uh, today on this podcast, we have another DLive user, Epic. What's up? <laughs> uh, Epic also uh, streams games like Fortnite, Dead by Daylight, some Apex, uh, some RPG games and stuff like that. Um, he's a super cool streamer that we love collaborating with together, and he's a huge wrestling fan. Um, we are supposed to also have our other panelist uh geo is going to take a little while um for when he gets into the podcast and then also another d live user which is alpha russ alpha russ is currently busy with other commitments it's totally fine um he will be sending in his uh review so that way you guys could hear it as well but that will be like in the chopped up version for um youtube um and i thought we had a comment Wow. Okay, that wasn't that wasn't that wasn't a comment at all. Oh, it's Vortex. Hey, Vortex. See, I knew we had uh, somebody. Um, Vortex is a very awesome uh, viewer. He um, he's everywhere. Um, I don't know why he's not playing on D Live. Either way, um, 
So you know what? I'm just going to do it like this. Seaweed chat. <clears throat> um, also, some quick stuff before we actually get into the um, podcast. So how can I say this? Oh, so down the bottom right below, um, there is a donation bar. Um, it is called the Keeping It Cafe Fund. Uh, our goal is to try to get at least 500 in uh, donations. If you cannot donate, that's totally fine. You just being here listening to us and having an input in the chat uh, means everything as well and also sharing and stuff like that. But depending on how much donations we get, we will be giving back to our viewers 5% of that. Um, and then also to the other side uh, is the follower goal. Our goal is just to get 10 followers every time we do this, to do it to do it in increments of 10. Right now we currently have two. Make sure to tell your friends about it. <coughs> I don't know why. I'm starting to get dry throat and all that kind of stuff. I had a very good dinner. That's one thing. Um, thank you, Vortex, for the ice cream and the four lemons. Um, I did not set up any of my um uh any of my alerts. So um if anybody you know, they, you guys are going to hear the same stuff. I just set this up today. Anyway, let's uh, kick it off. Um, we will only be covering the AEW Full Gear pay-per-view that happened on November 9th. Um, overall, I do want to say that I think that it was a solid pay-per-view. It wasn't perfect. Um, no wrestling pay-per-view, no wrestling um, organization or show is ever going to be perfect. But at least the important thing is that you enjoy it. Um, we're going to kick it off with uh, talking about Britt Baker versus B Priestley for the... Oh, how funny. Huh. AEW sends me a, um, an email while we're talking about the, uh, the, the pay-per-view. Oh, that's funny. Um, so we're going to be talking about Britt Baker versus B Priestley. They were on the buy-in... Um, portion of the pay-per-view. For anyone that doesn't know what the buy-in part is, is the equivalent to a WWE pre-show. But this time, the seats are filled. So there's the one difference between WWE and AEW whenever they do pre-shows. Um, I personally felt that this match should not have been on uh, the buy-in. However, um, according to Tony Khan, who is the owner of um, AEW, the backer and stuff like that. He also owns the Jaguars, which is a football team down in Florida. Um, they they didn't have enough time to fill them in, uh, to have them on the main pay-per-view. They were going to be on the main pay-per-view, but then because of time situations, it went to the buy-in. Um, I think both ladies are phenomenal. Um, they did a very good in-ring work. Uh, the story was there. Um, uh, Britt Baker went over. Uh, what else can I say about this match? Um, some You felt the chemistry was there. Um, it just wasn't as fluid as uh, it should be. But then again, um, these two ladies have two different situations happening outside of like being a full-time sort of wrestler in a way. Um, we did do a AEW, like, full gear sort of, like, how can we say it? Like, prediction, in a way? Sort of, yeah. Yeah, so, um, 
So me and Gio were right that Britt Baker won. And then Epic, you picked B Priestley. Uh, what do you have to say for this match? Um, I would probably say this is one of the matches that are pretty much uh, much up in the air at that point, where um, either one could go over, but it would go on to put on a statement that, like you know, going into future um, uh, title shots or like future title shots or whatnot, being um, I guess a contender. Um, I, I guess they really want to go more with uh, Britt Baker. Probably that being like you know, um, I guess maybe assuming that uh, B Priestley might have um, prior dates to finish off with Stardom or with any other promotions at this point, as opposed to having Britt Baker, who's already fully committed to um, to the promotion. Yeah. Uh, which would definitely be a better option, in my opinion. Um. So I felt like you know, and a lot of fans felt like there was a better option as well, which is pretty pretty good. Mm-hmm. Also, Mister Emotion, thank you for sure the one ice cream in five months. I'm gonna turn on the volume here real quick. Um, but I feel um, I feel that uh, according to the fans too, that uh, B Priestley is uh, still kind of unsafe to work with. Yeah. Because, um. You know, uh, the way she works is like British strong style, kind of mixed with Japanese strong style in a sort of way. Uh-huh. And um, uh, I feel like she needs to kind of what uh, should really learn how to uh, tone that style kind of down because, I mean, according to the fans, like when she had the uh, the world title match against uh, Mai Iwatani, yeah. uh, kind of dropped it on her head. So, I mean... Um, being safe and every, and all that is definitely much more of a priority as opposed to, you know, just throwing this girl into the main scene right away. Yeah. Um, that's true too. Um, <clears throat> I don't know. Uh, to be honest, I was never sold on B Priestley. Um, you could see that she could work. Um, it's not about me like hating on her wrestling skill or anything, but, there's nothing that she does that draws me in to be like, yeah, I'm a B Priestley fan. Um, Britt Breaker is getting there for me, uh, but then again, she's still there, and uh, you know, she did get her uh, doctor and um, you know, being a dentist. It's just that I need a little bit more other than knowing that you know she's a dentist. Like, uh, yeah, like the the gimmicks all cool and everything. Yeah. Even though she says it's not a gimmick because it's real life, and I get that too, but I need something else to kind of something else to get behind. Yeah, um, that's what I would need for like both of these um, ladies and stuff like that. Um, give me one second, because uh, I'm just contacting Bert from Nuclear Vikings about this, because he was saying that he might be able to help us. Um. Uh, okay, whatever. I, it's not a official link, but he'll get it. Um. All right, cool. Um. So, that's one win for me and one win for Geo for that one. Um. Now, give me a second, cause I have this awesome idea of changing the pictures 
of each match that we're talking about. Um, what's hold on? I gotta see what the next match was. Oh, okay. The tag team match. Um. All right, so we're moving on now to the tag team match, which is the Young Bucks, Matt and Nick Jackson versus, um, I'm going to call them LAX, even though it's Santana and Ortiz. They go by, uh, what is it, Proud? Pop? Do you know what it is? Uh, I think Pride, uh, Pride and Powerful or something like that. Yeah, something like that, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, but, okay, you know what? We're going to refer to them as LAX just because yeah. um, it makes our life easier. Uh, so this tag match, um, this tag match was explosive right out the gate. Um, there was there was a sort of a little bit of a, re- of a rest period but it's totally okay. Um, they had some uh, some pops and also some spots. You know, every match that these guys are always gonna have some spots. Uh, they're they're good spots. They're not like bad spots. You know, uh, sometimes you can uh, probably predict what the other team is gonna be doing because if you've seen their work and their arsenal, yeah, you're gonna tell that you know upcoming is a spot. Um, I like the, the story aspect of, um, you know, uh, Nick damaging his ankle because he decided to, uh, super kick, uh, I forgot who he decided to super kick, but, um, he basically hit his ankle on the, on the ring post and, uh, you know, that was it. It was sort of a little bit downhill from there because if, you know, a young buck messes up their ankle. That's their, that's their like bread and butter in a way where they always on their feet. They're always running and athletic and using it to do power moves and also a super kick party. Uh, but um, after everything, um, I was kind of surprised that this match ended very cleanly. Uh, there was no interruptions. There was no uh, dirty underhand way to win. Uh, they won. And then after that, uh, out comes the Rock and Roll, yeah, the Rock and Roll Express, and it it's Rick Rick Morton does a uh, oh. what? Oh no, just do uh, uh, the naming. Oh yeah, I know. It's like Rick and Morty, but it's Rick Morton. Uh, proceeds to do a Canadian destroyer with some help from the Young Bucks. Which, everyone, which is interesting. Yeah, everyone popped because this guy is like late sixties to be doing this. Um, what did you thought of the tag match? Uh, it was everything I expected to be and more. Um, it was like you know uh, that term of expression, balls to the walls, sort of yeah. like you know, kind of crazy. Everything you expected to be like you know in a young box match. In all honesty, like you know, you can't go into this match thinking like you know you ain't gonna expect nothing like this at all. Mm-hmm. Which you, you totally will. Um, I, I thought you know they uh, helped put over LAX really really well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, w- which is really good and going forward, and I hope they continue to do this uh, with other teams moving forward. Um, what also seems to be a thing as well is that uh, 
you know, they're, they're setting up a really good angle with, uh, you know, the inner circle now having two viable team contenders uh, going for the tag team championships in the form of Sammy Guevara and Jericho yeah. and, uh, and LA, like LAX as well. So interesting uh, angles moving forward. Um, we're going to have to wait till tomorrow to kind of find out where this goes. Yeah, which I also want to add on to that. Like, um, you know, Twitter uh, is a weird place to kind of navigate, especially when you get into the wrestling niche of it. So, like, people were complaining about why it's Jericho and um, Sammy Guevara challenging for the AEW World Tag Team Championships. Um, And it's like, if you really think about it, in the group, there's already an established tag team. So, you know, they already had their match with the Young Bucks and it will make sense for them to go for the title, but then it'll be a little bit too soon. I think they're sort of trying to test the waters with Jericho and Sammy at the moment. I Maybe in the future, they'll get the titles. Uh, I don't see them getting the titles this week at all on AEW Dynamite on TNT. Uh, but, you know... Who else would they have put with Jericho? Uh, Jake Hager is um, like the bodyguard. He's a signing type. He's doing his MMA on the side. So it's like, it wouldn't make sense. He can't really commit to being on the team if he's doing that. Like sometimes people on wrestling Twitter don't think before they post. Um, and it's cool if I get heat for that. I, I really don't mind. But in all honesty, when they post something, they do not like think before they post. I um, I think it's a kind of a cool tag team to have Sammy Guevara and Jericho. And this is where Sammy Guevara will learn a lot from Jericho and probably make you a believer that one day Sammy could be an actual good heel epic. Um, I hope that's the case because, like, you know, I, again, I think uh, when we talked about this last time, like, you know, I'm still not sold on Sammy Guevara being, you know, a viable heel someone that I could you know kind of believe in and get behind mm-hmm. only because like you know he's again he looks like a like a fresh baby he is where it's just like you know it's Dude, just like he's 26 yeah, exactly he's still a baby and it's just like okay well <laughs> what what can you do to kind of make me think okay well like you know th- this guy could be a threat this guy like you know um you know this guy could be intimidating but it's just like you know everything but hmm Hi. Oh, hey, hey, hey. Cool. Hello. Um, everyone, Gio just arrived. Uh, we are 18 minutes in. Um, so basically, um, I'll just go back a little bit. Um, Gio, did you get the chance to watch AEW Full Gear? I did not get the chance to watch the paper. Did you at least watch the highlights? Uh, I know a little bit about Cody's loss. Okay, um, well, hold on, wait. We're not we're not at Cody's loss yet. <laughs> okay. Spoiler alert, but that's a little too late. Um, even though it's not really a spoiler alert, because we covered um, we covered Britt Baker versus B Priestley. Did you? Watch... I heard a little bit about that. All right. Do you want to add some thoughts onto that? Go ahead. Uh, thoughts onto that. Kong is arrived. So that's going to be interesting. Dynamic. Maybe 
Britt will probably be like number one contender or a future contender. Mm -hmm. Just, uh, I guess, as far as like looking for more stories for like the women. There's yeah. like more for the guys than there are women. Well, yeah, that's because most of the women either have uh, other priorities to to do or um, they're not, like, they don't have, like, full-time contracts yet until whatever they finish, you know, then they can have a full-time contract. Um, but, you know, when it comes to the women's division, I think that slowly but surely they'll get the best out of all the women and... Um, it will probably it will probably be the number one pro promotion to go to to work for, other than like the Japanese promotions because they're cause they're really good. Uh, but mm -hmm. I don't see the women uh, sort of taking a backseat because everything that AEW has done up until this point, they've you know they made half good on their promises if I can say that. Um, we still mm -hmm. see the women. Even if the women are on an AEW dark match, they're still there. They're still talked about. You know, they're still presented in the light. So it's not like, you know, oh, let's just focus on the EVPs of AEW. You know, everyone gets there like 15 minutes, no matter what, which that's what I like. They sort of do um, a round robin, so to speak, on the ladies and the men at the same time. It's just people don't want to see it that way. Yeah, well, you know, they're still like a new company, so they're trying to like work on whatever they want. Yeah, make um, sure everyone gets a chance card. Yeah. Uh. Also, so after we did that one, I was mentioning to Epic that our pick, Brit Brit Breaker, had won, so that was you know a a win for us. Um, and then we talked about the tag team match, the Young Bucks versus uh, Santana and Ortiz. Um, did you watch highlights for that? I did not watch any highlights. Oh, well, you know, all this is going to be... Bits and pieces. All this is going to be like spoilers for you, man, just so you know. So like, I mean, I, I, I know that um, Bucks didn't win. Yeah, they did it. Um, they, they lost clean to uh, Santana and Ortiz. Oh, and by the way, this is a general question for both of you guys. Do you like the idea okay. that uh, the uh, Justin Roberts always announces how long the match is? So, like, you know... I think it's good, yeah. Oh, okay. I, I thought I had to go into more detail. Like like the remaining uh, time limit? Um, everything in general to, like, you know, saying this match is scheduled for one fall with a 30-minute time limit or a 60-minute time limit, and then when 15 minutes has passed, it's like, oh, 15 minutes remaining. That That's what I mean. I'm okay with it because, you know, their whole, um, their whole approach is that, you know, matches have certain time. I feel like it's a reminder for the viewers who are watching at home to like okay this is like 15 minutes we're down 10 down to like five so it's like a reminder it's not like a regular match there's a clear winner and loser there's also time at every win and loss count yeah i'm okay with it all right um just so you know for that match uh 
My pick was the Young Bucks. Obviously, the Young Bucks did not win, uh, so I don't get a point for that. Um, you and Epic were uh, neutral about it, and Gio, you even mm-hmm. said no contest for that one. But we happened to pick a winner. Yes, I. <laughs> we did. There, there was a winner, even if we didn't pick one. We found out there was a winner. Yeah. All right. So give me a quick second. Let me change the picture to mm-hmm. the next one. Because that's what I'm doing currently. I'm, I'm as we're going, we're using pictures. Uh, all right. Okay. So, cool. so the next match was Hangman Page versus Pac. I cannot believe I forgot to ask you guys, like, who you guys thought would win. Obviously, we couldn't really do it because when I was watching it, I was like, oh man. Um, this match, for some mm-hmm. reason, Hangman and Pac has this undeniable chemistry in the ring. Um, from start to finish. Like, I don't understand what it was. It was magical. Um, I was, I, I enjoyed the match. Um, there wasn't, like, nothing really popped out at me. It's just that I just know that these guys have a really good storytelling that can happen in the ring. Uh, their chemistry is phenomenal together. So if they ever have another match, it'll be pretty good to watch. And I'll be glued to TV, if I want to use that that phrase, but um, so our winner happened to be Hangman. Hangman goes over Pac. Really? Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm a little surprised, but not I am too. surprised at the same time, to be honest. So. Go ahead, Epic, if you want to take us into your thoughts. Um. Well, because like back then, they, they had a whole issue with uh, Paige uh, going over Pac because Pac was uh, undefeated champion after he went to Dragon Gate, and then after uh, after uh, losing the strap uh, at Dragon Gate, and then Pac it, it just became a whole lot easier for Pac just to kind of fit into better angles. So you know when he decided to come back to uh, AEW, it was it was just like you know a breath of fresh air, I guess for him maybe, um, but. It opened up a whole lot of better angles now that they're looking at, okay, well, we could probably use this to kind of help, uh, let's just say, uh, you know, to put Paige over as, like, you know, a viable um, main eventer of sorts. Yeah. So with uh, with Pac now putting Paige over, you know, it's I, I don't think it'll go away, mm-hmm. but it'll help open up the door for possibilities for better storylines better rivalries so that like you know with stuff like this i don't think it's going to be a one and done i'm pretty sure they might have another one uh left in them if they decide to pursue it like that but i again with aew right now still being like you know completely up in the air uh we're still definitely gonna have to wait and just kind of see where everything goes from there yeah that's true because uh now it's sort of like what does Pac do now that he suffered his first loss and the loss at, you know, Hangman. Because originally it was supposed to be both of them at the first pay-per-view. No, at All Out, right? Or it wasn't All In. Um, I think I think it was either Fighter Fest, but I'm pretty sure it's going to supposed to be at All Out. Okay, so like their first meeting when AEW first announced back in January... Uh, that, you know, AEW is formed, you know, this is a new wrestling company. It was both Pac and Hangman um, 
facing each other uh, eye to eye, and it was like, you know, they basically said, you know, we want to fight each other. Um, and then fast forward to, to now, um, basically, we have this match at full gear. It was really nice from start to finish. I understood the story. Um, Pac locked in that uh, that submission that he does, and that submission looked pretty freaking. Yeah, it's so devastating to look at. I'm just like, this this is so gold. Um, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> Hangman takes the victory, and now that has a now that's a blemish on Pac's record. Um, I mean, I. I'm going to say here on this podcast, I am still waiting for Hangman to turn heel. I think that if he turns heel, it would be great for his character and, like, his stories. Um, yeah, I just can't wait for him to turn heel. I guess, like, you know, it's... Uh, it, it's really, really soon to say, but, I mean, like, uh, with, with how everything's going right now, like, you know, I, I feel like, you know, they could go the predictable route mm-hmm. and just say like you know yeah let's just like you know throw hangman as a heel but right now unless they because at this point i think where they're going is a total reset at this point because now that we see um with cody now not going over and he's not able to contend for the championship anymore what's left for him that's a huge spoiler um, we're not there yet but okay Oh gosh. Um, anyways. I wanted to go match by match. Um go so, back, go back. Uh, go ahead, dude. Uh, hold on, I'm gonna put on my infinity gauntlet real quick and just um, Okay. There you go. Um anyways, um it, it it's interesting to see what kind of angles it'll open up. Um you know, go, going forward to the other matches because, um, you know, as we go along, like I, I felt like you know, this kind of it, it's not like a WrestleMania type um, pay per view by any means, but with how everything is right now, like this felt like it was an end all to everything else, and now it's gonna be a, a fresh build for things to come. Yeah, definitely. Um, looking at my notes, I actually did write down one. Uh, thing that looked uh crazy it was the brain buster on the chair for certain yeah yeah so that happened a brain buster on the chair and then that fall away slam that um i believe hangman was like on the ropes with uh Pac, and then just did a freaking fall away slam and you know that that's in my notes so we do know that hangman page is the winner but if you did not know any of this beforehand who do you think would have been the better choice to go over? Uh, Hello? I, I probably oh. would say... Um, I, I still think Paige still would have took it somehow, like the way they were building up the angle. Mm-hmm. I, probably, I probably would have went with Pac for some reason. I, I think that's because of... Uh, which I'm going to have to agree with you, Gio. I think I would have went with... Uh, with Pac only because I want Hangman to turn heel. So the more that you lose, you get frustrated, you turn heel. That's what I want, uh, which is very simple to do. But I think the only reason why me and Gio will probably pick uh, Pac will be um, he still, he has that undefeatedness about him. He has that confidence about him. And he's there to kind of rampage through the whole locker room and then finally say, well, there's no more people for me to fight. Who else do I fight? You know, that kind of uh, 
character that he has. So it's it's a matter of um, that bravado that we're behind, um, which I would have liked to see. You know, him destroying the locker room and seeing how that goes because he could make some pretty awesome stories with everyone else and eventually get the AEW title, like, further on. Um, I mean, for all we know, he still could probably tear up the locker room and whatnot. He could. Just be more pissed off that he has a loss now because that was, like, his big thing. He was undefeated. Yeah, and... and... Now that he suffered his uh, first loss... Yeah, and I knew exactly. Yep. Um, I knew exactly what you were going with that. Mm -hmm. So you still think that he's going to still rampage and still be the baddest guy there is in AEW aside from John Moxley? Yes, I think uh, he's still gonna have like a bone to pick because he still has like that debt to collect from um, AEW. Oh yeah. Whatever it is. Okay. Um, we're going to move on to the next match, which is the Sean Spears with Tully Blanchard at his side versus Joy Janela. Uh, this was an interesting match. Um, I, I think we're going to say it every time on this podcast. I think that Sean Spears has been messed up um, as a character. Um, he is great. He's he's great, but uh, he's been messed up as a character. Um, I felt I felt like this should have been in the buy-in match. I mean, the buy-in start of the pay-per-view. Um, for my notes, um, there was that spike power driver with Telly that happened on Joey Janela. Um, Joey is also a good wrestler. Um, he now I understand why sometimes Joey Janela gets a bad rep, um, because he does a lot of hardcore stuff, you know, back then and did a lot of risky stuff. But when you see him on TNT television on AEW Dynamite, uh, he can be both a chain wrestler and also he could do hardcore stuff. Um, I I don't have anything else to say about this match. Um, for me, um, I, I felt like, you know, this was like very backyard wrestling-ish type style match. Um, like, uh, you know, you, you said like, you know, it's like Janela is like very hardcore-ish. That's kind of a shtick. But I feel like, you know, um, you know, not to, uh, give, you know, um, a nod to Jim Cornette, but, you know, at this point, like, you know, like, like everyone either like, you know, doing flips and dives or everyone is like, um, you know, uh, doing hardcore stuff. This is basically like you know a broader scale of like you know uh, CZW, um, with in terms of like you know people just going in and just kind of go hitting each other with a whole bunch of chairs, like you know barbed wire things, thumbtacks, you know pliers to the tongues and stuff like this. Mm -hmm. And it's just like you know, I I still remember that one podcast of well like you know what uh, what Jim Cornette said about everything how it just looks like you know like glorified like you know televised like backyard wrestling sort of feel kind yeah. of understand it but at the same time it's just like i you know um just knowing this stuff i know they just want to use this and still go in the direction because that's the that's their characters you know that that's their uniqueness and that's why people want to watch them and get behind them yeah but i feel like you know that that's all it is at this point when when i look at it okay like i see jimmy havoc 
Darby Allen, mm-hmm. Joey Janela. Oh. <laughs> all different types of looks, but they're they all got the same sh- type of shtick. Yeah. Um then you, then you have like Young Bucks, you have Hybrid 2, you have uh like you know LAX. Yeah. Like, you know, not not as flippy, uh not as flippy as the Bucks, but I mean they're they're all, you know, very gifted and like, you know, very athletic uh to perform a lot of moves like that. Uh, definitely, I'm gonna have to agree with you with that. Um, but that's what makes um, AEW sort of—I don't want to say unique because it's not really unique. Um, it makes them different um, to have different types of styles in there mixed in and stuff like that. Because you know, let's say that um, uh, they're doing a technical match, but they're short because they don't have a talent signed who can match with someone else who's always technical. So maybe they could throw in like a Joey Janela to show off the skills that he has and stuff like that. I think that all the guys on the roster um, are, can be interchangeable. It can help whenever it needs to be helped. Uh, You know, that that's their diversity that they have there. Um, But sometimes it does get a little tiring to know that, one wrestler has a similar style than uh, for like an, with another wrestler, and you're like, how can I really tell them the, apart when I don't know what their character is? You know, did that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, I do want to say for the record though that every time Darby Allen does his uh, finisher, the coffin drop, I I think that kid is gonna get hurt one day, and he's a very promising young talent and i just don't want him to get hurt i really don't i think he knew what he signed up for when uh you know <laughs> when he decided like you know diving all over the place the way he does like i mean like and again like you know i'll probably say it all over the place when we talk about aw like that's that's their shtick that's that's their identity that's what brought them to the table yeah so the, the fact that they want to show this off and like you know because like you know hey i'm this daredevil like you know that just goes in like you know balls to the wall like you know just you know throw caution to the wind sort of thing and it's just like it's great but like you know if you want to live a nice long healthy life then um tone it down a little bit i mean like you know we we can say like you know look at the hardys look at edge and christian look at the dudleys like you know how long do you think those guys are going to live for like you know before edge had to go in and say like you know i'm running on borrowed time because like you know there's so much so much like you know injury to the spine that i can take you know uh Jeff Hardy is probably not as fluent as it was before, and every injury, like you know, he gets a little bit bigger. Yeah, yeah. Like every every time he sobers up, he gets a little bit bigger. So like he's not as like you know thin and as agile as he was before. And every time he goes up to do something, it, it kind of looks like he's coming down a little bit harder than usual. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, it it happens with like all the greats because you know there's no there's no safety net in professional wrestling. Like you know what you signed up for when you go into this business. But, you know, the people that go into this business, they they have to at least like pain or whatever it is or, you know, the athletic aspect of it. Um, I really do want all these guys to be around, you know, a lot longer. So even if they have to take less bumps or do, you know, less TV time, that's totally fine. You know, um, I don't mind that. Uh, but I do remember, like, JR had mentioned on commentary at one point that um, Darby Allen has uh, more bones uh, broken in his body because he's, he's a skateboarder. And I was like, well, I think that makes everything better, you know? Just joking around with it and stuff. Um, so, 
Our winner for the Sean Spears versus Janela is Sean Spears. Um, I think he got just a regular pin. I don't think any of these people did any fancy like roll ups, even though roll ups is like the most dangerous maneuver there is. Yeah, he he put him down with his finisher and uh, clean pinned him. That's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. But there was a crazy spot in the match. I will also point out yeah, as well please. where they did a spiking pile driver. Oh. Um, cool. where um. Basically, um, Sean Spears set up the pile driver, and Tully Blanchard went yeah, off yeah, the yeah. step with that spike pile driver, and I thought it was that was nuts. And I'm just like, tag team wrestling is still alive. It is, man. It's alive and well in AEW. Uh, it, WWE is trying, trying. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> still working. Uh, well, just so everyone knows out there, um, the three of us, myself, Epic, and Geo, did pick Sean Spears to win, so we all got a point for that one even though you know i'm not keeping a point system but you know we got that right answer uh geo you didn't see any highlight highlight stuff for that right no okay um so our next uh match is the triple threat um for the tag team titles which was uh the lucha bros versus SCU versus Private Party. Um, again, I think that this one was uh, straight out the gate. Um, this, um, before I even talk about uh, like the whole entire match, um, all of our championship title matches are 60 minutes. Uh, do you guys mm. agree that that should always happen on a pay-per-view? Like title matches, yeah. So, like, every title match that happens is at least 60 minutes. Like, the match can go to 60 minutes or it could go less, but that's like a really old school, old school rule that every single title match is 60 minutes. Do you guys think we need that? Yes, oh, I mean, okay. I well, New Japan does it all the time, and I think it's wonderful. Um, because it, it gives something to look at in a way where it's just like, okay, well, how can we exhaust like you know storylines stuff like that without having people go down like the way like you know Rollins or Wyatt did? Mm, okay, you know, let's have like you know uh sixty minute um sixty minute match. You know, win, lose, or draw, like, you know, like, these guys will go at it, and 60 minutes is up, and it's just like, okay, well, 60 minutes is up. Of course, whoever's a champion is still a champion, but we went on to the thing, depending on how you want to pencil in the match, however you want to write that match, you know, it could make people go out, you know, looking a lot stronger than usual, as opposed to taking a clean loss. Uh-huh. Okay. So, like, if you guys could remember, uh, that's how um, Okada and uh, Kenny Omega matches went. So, like, you know, Kenny even handed the L the first time, and I think either their um, their second encounter, they went to a sixty minute time draw on a title yeah. match, and then Okada still retained. So with stuff like this, it it helps uh, build a story. So let's just say down the line, um, let's just say for example, um, you know, uh, Jericho and. Uh, Jungle Boy here, uh, going to a match, <laughs> and you know Jericho going over the yeah. first match. Second match goes into a draw, yeah. And they're just like, okay, like you know, let, let's just say, like you know, for down the road, you know, we and you, like you know, even though you went over on the first one, I got you one on one. I figured you out, even though we went to a draw. 
the next one like you know i'm gonna say i'm coming for that title because mm-hmm. i figured you all out you can use this in storylines that'll help benefit your character and uh help promo growth a, a whole lot better uh-huh. which is it's a great tool to have and especially having time limits on matches is great because you can fit the matches the way you want to on your card without worrying about uh tv time limit like you know um being a factor yeah um you know, I didn't think about it that way. And I keep forgetting that New Japan does it. Um, every time I watched uh, Kenny versus uh, Okada, like I was always star tr- starstruck by the athleticism, the storytelling. So I never really paid attention to the time. I was just like, I'm here watching a match. I want to see the outcome. I want to be entertained. I want to cry. I want to feel all those feelings. So I never, I never really was like, oh my God, 16 minutes, that's so long. When, and and that's the great thing about it too, because people don't even think about it. Like you said, time flies. Like you know, when you're enjoying something so yeah. much, and the fact that like you know, you're just like, oh my god, like these guys are going at it. Like you know, granted, pacing is is a like great like patience and virtue. Yeah, thing it is. Too. So it's just like the guys yeah. went at it, but towards the end, you're just like, oh my god, yes, climax is approaching. Like you know, someone's gonna go over, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden it's just like sixty minutes is up, and you're just like, where did the time go? Like I was just getting so into this and yeah. we don't have a winner like it creates an unrest so like you know the fans are invested into this build and they want to see where it goes next definitely um Gia what do you think about um every match being 60 minutes on an AEW pay-per-view and maybe um regular show 60 minutes is um hold on are you good 60 minutes is a long time, but, like, if you're invested and you're watching, like, a storyline, you really forget that there's even a time limit mm-hmm. until someone just, until there's, like, a reminder, like, oh, you have eight minutes, and then you're like, wait, there's there was a time limit? Yeah, yeah. And then you're, you're rooting for, like, the person to either get the win or how's this uh, villain gonna find a way to escape with their champion? So... I don't think I have a problem with it. It's just like I hear it on the TV, and if it's being used for pay-per-views, it's it's mm-hmm. fine. But 60 minutes, you know, it can seem like a long time, depending on like the opponent and how the match is like pacing itself. Yeah. But I don't have a problem with it, unless like. Maybe like there's a finish that doesn't make sense storyline. Yeah, but yeah. Other than that, um, I don't have any complaints. Um, all right, cool. Um, so Epic, you wanna talk about the uh triple threat tag team match? Whatever highlights that you remember? Um, I don't remember it like I, I just remember it being obviously like, you know, um very, very like in way spotty, like as expected, and the same yeah. way it was really, really good, very fast paced. Um, I, I, all I remember is the end of the match where, like, you know, we we had another Pentagon come out for a swerve. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it ended up being uh, Christopher Daniels yeah. getting uh, revenge on the uh, Lucha Brothers. So I think, like, you know, the thing with the Lucha Brothers again is far from over, which is great at setting up these angles. That now that we're gonna have Lucha Brothers still in the picture somehow gunning after SCU. Yeah, yeah. Um I 
enjoyed the match. Um, it was uh, pretty cool to watch. Uh, SCU is our AEW World Tag Team Champions. Uh, they are the first crowned ever uh, Tag Team Champions. Um, they're going to probably hold the belts for a little while longer. I don't see them dropping it anytime soon. Uh, the Lucha Bros are a huge threat uh, to anybody in professional wrestling just because of their smoothness and the chemistry that they both have. And I half of me wants to know if they're real brothers or not. Um, I, I just think like, you know, they're they're really good friends and they're like, you know, brothers from another mother type thing. Um, Private Party is um, they are from New York. Uh, they got their start here in NYC. They were mainly in House of Glory. They did some work for Bronx Wrestling Federation, BWF. Um, and I've watched them grow for a really, really long time. Um, I'm happy that they're in AEW and uh, making a stamp in the world of professional wrestling. Because uh, two guys of their statue uh, or stature uh, don't necessarily get recognized a lot in the business like that. You know, they're both small guys. Uh, they have a lot of potential. They have a lot of talent. They have a lot of growing. Um, I think altogether this match showcases everybody's ability to work together. Um, I just thought it would have been funny in the match if um, one of the one of the tag partners had like tagged their own teammate in because they didn't realize what corner they were going to, and then now all of a sudden they have like you know facing each other. I think that would have been made it a little bit better for that type of interaction. You know? Um, mm -hmm. So, in terms of winning, SCU wins and retains the titles because they weren't going to drop it so, so early. So, according to our picks, uh, it was only Epic that got the point. Epic said, uh, called it correctly by saying SCU is going to retain my pick was, was the Lucha Bros only because uh, I want the Lucha Bros to wreak havoc on the tag team division and just be the top dogs with the belts. I just want to see that. Um, and then Gio was neutral. So, you know, that was that. Um, all right, we're going to move on to the women's title. Let me... Uh, change the picture here so that way everyone can get like a visual effect at what we're talking about um the women's title uh for aew uh match was riho versus emi sakura uh i am so happy that i got the chance to actually watch this match in full um obviously if you have like two Japanese wrestlers who's been wrestling for a long time. Obviously, they will wrestle each other. The chemistry was there. Um, it felt right. Uh, there was also some tiny slip-ups, but not too much. Um, once uh, Justin Roberts, who was the announcer, was announcing how many minutes was left in the match, you could kind of feel it um, trickling down to the wire where it was like, who's going to get the win and stuff like that. Um, Riho does a roll-up and gets the win out over her teacher, Emi Sakura, uh, which I felt like um, maybe Rio should have dropped it, so that way we could continue this feud because um, it was Kenny who took to social media to post, uh, like, the tail of the tape between Rio and Emi Sakura, and I think if Rio would have lost and 
we would have crowned a new women's champion, it would have made that story that much stronger and that much richer so that people could understand and get behind these women. Um, I didn't write any other notes down for the match. I just know that um, uh, uh, Riho's finisher is a roll-up. Um, I don't know. Just watching the match to me just seemed like, you know, um, seemed to be... I guess like a Riho style type matchup, but it, it would seem like you know Riho is a lot more in her comfort zone in this match than she was like a, yeah say in other matches because like you know again communication is a really really big thing when calling on spots mm-hmm. and especially when you have somebody familiar when you have a you know quote unquote mentor like Emi Sakura that can help you get to those transitions a little bit better. Um, this sort of thing, I felt like you know if you want to write it as a storyline, you know teacher versus pupil. Um, rivalry for the ages sort of thing um this match might have been too early for that to happen uh-huh. um i feel like again like i th- right now where we are uh in aew i think i feel like it's way too soon for anybody to drop a strap by any means yeah I feel like again like it's not just the champions but i feel like most of the talent that's on the roster as well needs to have a lot more time respectively to build themselves up and get themselves much more I guess, like, over with the audience. Now, I felt like this match was kind of it as well, uh, that being a pay-per-view match, both girls knowing each other's style, so therefore they could put forward a lot more fluid of a match, mm-hmm. um, which was the only other option I could see fit. But then again, there, there could have been other uh, wrestlers could have fit the bill and uh, could have done the spot a whole lot better than, you know, Emi Sakura, um, which might happen down the line later but probably not mm-hmm. but i mean they, they could have like you know exhausted uh yuka sakazaki uh, unless they're bringing her in a whole lot later um geez like shanna would have probably been one to exhaust but uh, a whole lot of women who are on the roster right now just came into the picture like shanna and jamie Hader both signed with AEW, so I mean, it's just like, you know, they've just started off with a clean slate of sorts, both like, you know, not having that high of a record. Yeah. Which, so they, yeah. Oh, I was going to mention because um, we're talking about a clean slate. Uh, so Nick Jackson of the Young Bucks was doing a quick QA on Twitter because uh, he had like 30 minutes to his flight or something like that. And uh, a fan had asked him, you know, um, What's going to happen with the, um, you know, the records and whatnot? Like, uh, I'm going to, this is a really bad paraphrasing because I don't remember exactly the question, but it was along the lines of, you know, what happens if uh, a blemish uh, gets on someone's record? Like, what will you guys do? So uh, Nick Jackson had answered a fan and told him that um, it it will be reset. Um, And I'm like... This is the most weirdest thing to ever follow in professional wrestling. Like, um, there's a reason why I don't watch football. I don't watch basketball is because those sports don't like intrigue me so much. And then when you hear someone passionate about basketball or football, they always give you uh, statistics. They always give you like the numbers and everything. And I find it kind of weird that AEW would do this, but this is what sets AEW apart for everyone else, that everyone has a win and loss record, and wins and losses matter, and I get that, but I am not going to be the person to be on this podcast and be like, well, this wrestler has a win-loss record of 34 to 
five and one, while this person has 18, one and zero, why does the wrestler with the 18, one and zero get a shot before the 34 one? Like, I'm not gonna do that. That's way too much headache. Um, and that's also another reason why wrestling Twitter was like, sort of, why are these two wrestling in these mat in this match? And how do like the factors of the record get factor in? So yeah, that's just a little tidbit um, to add on to you, Epic, about you know every uh, the women, the two women who signed has a clean slate. So technically, if we wanted to replace somebody in this match, we I wouldn't know what woman to replace Emi Sakura with, so that was, they could face Rio. You know, um, Britt already had her match with Bay with Bia. Priestley, B. Priestley. So, you know, you couldn't have her fight twice in one night. Um, it wouldn't make sense to have Penelope Ford to be there, or would it? Um, sorry, run by that for me again one more time. That's uh, the last part. It, do you think that uh, if we were to switch out Emi Sakura with uh, Penelope Ford, do you think that would have worked? It would have worked in a way, but uh, I don't think it would have made Riho look a whole lot stronger yeah sure would have gave like you know Riho another win in the win column which is what they wanted but in terms of again like this being a pay-per-view match like having against like Penelope Ford would definitely be something more of a dynamite uh or an eight or like a dark uh match as opposed to having like a pay-per-view type feel to it mm -hmm. okay. like if you wanted to have like a pay-per-view type feel to it then you're gonna have like a, a higher caliber uh type of wrestler to help fit that bill and again like with uh, I mean, Sakura being the only probably eligible talent to do so at this point in time mm -hmm. is the only thing that made sense. Okay. And I know AEW said like, yeah, we we got a pretty uh deep talent pool right now and everything like that. But I feel like for how deep that talent pool is, I feel like everything's like you know they gave everybody something to do, mm -hmm. which means like you know, yes, it'll help build up towards wins and losses, and it'll help uh, like you know either break or make uh certain storylines moving forward and so on but um uh, you know again much like how you like touched on like having this win loss thing to me um just feels like you know yes we're, we're trying to be a whole like we're trying to be a sport like almost like a legitimized sport with wins losses being a thing not having scripted uh like you know promos or anything like that everything's like you know shoot from the heart mm -hmm. shoot from the hip and uh it, it's it was a great thing moving forward it was like wishful thinking and most of it should be like that but at the same time it's just like okay you're giving everyone something to do so now let's just say this whole program's over we got you know uh Britt Baker over B we got Riho over Emi Sakura stats aren't going to reset right now at this point in time I don't know if they're going to plan on doing seasons um that's what I first thought when I read that question that answer from Nick I was like are we doing seasons? Like, is AEW gonna be the first to have an off season when you know all their all their wrestlers are tired? And then that's the thing. It's just like, okay, well, like you know, I, I get that you guys want to do something different, but th this thing needs to be consistent. These things, like you know, people are gonna hold you and gonna make sure you atone to your uh, to your statements and make yeah. sure that people through with the stuff and make sure things make sense. Because like you know, you're you're casual wrestling fan um or your diehard wrestling fans are going out there just saying like you know um uh, like you know we, we've been watching wwe for so long wcw ecw mm -hmm. uh, japan ring of honor 
you know, even MLW having all this stuff moving forward, but like, you know, no one is really going to wins and losses as much as AEW and just being adamant, like it means something. Sure, it means something, wins and losses, of course, don't get me wrong, because like, you know, I think it's more so of a jab, you know, compared to what uh, Road Dog's statement meant, where wins and losses don't matter. Mm. But at the same time, it's just like, sure, yes, they matter, but like, you know, having them pen and paper stat for somebody to kind of look at is is kind of a ridiculous thing, uh, in my personal opinion. Yeah. Uh, because it's just like now, okay, much like how I was gonna go over and say, yeah, we have these two matches over, and now, let's just say the one that has, you know, the most wins under her belt right now because she's probably got a lot more matches under her belt would be Britt Baker. Yeah. Now you've already exhausted the option of having her and Riho going head to head before, and it's just like okay, and she takes another loss. In the thing, but if she keeps winning her matches afterwards, then it's just gonna be like you know, is it gonna keep being Britt Baker, or are, are we going to actually say you know back to the bottom of the line and have somebody else move forward, or get the, another person pushed a whole lot more with a lot more wins under their column, as opposed to Britt Baker does. That's true too. Um, Gia, what do you think about the? wins and loss system, the whole statistics, like, you know, will you be able to follow it and remember certain things? I take You might have to walk around. Yeah. Wait. Okay. Is this good? It's a little bit better than before. Yeah. Is this good? Yeah, go ahead. Would I be able to keep up with win loss? I would probably need. You're breaking up again. Not good. For now. It's still new. Uh-huh. Just. I don't know. I guess I have to say it carries over forward. Okay. That's all I have. Okay. So it's for him, it's still new, and then just kind of wait to see where this thing goes. Yeah. Right. Which, which is a fair assessment by all means. But uh, for what, again, for like casual wrestling fans, especially like longtime wrestling fans, it's, it's, it's a weird thing to kind of put up with. It is. I th- at least on my end, anyway. Um, it kind of is, um, only because, you know, I don't want to remember everyone's stats. Um, it's cool in the beginning, but I don't know how long they're going to keep doing this. But, you know, as long as they're consistent and the storylines make sense as to why, you know, there's a new fighter in a specific storyline that they're doing, then, you know, I could get on board behind it. But um, don't expect me on this podcast to be like, such and such wrestler has this much of a win and loss record. No. As long as I understand the story in the match and we're able to break it down and we're able to say, you know, why it was good, why it was bad, and what could have been better, that that's all I care about. Um, because I love breaking down matches and I love explaining sometimes the technical side of professional wrestling just because it's fun. Um, and at heart, I'm a creative writer, so it just helps me with my craft. That's what it does. Um, our next match is c- 
Cody versus Jericho for the AEW World Heavyweight Championship. Um, the only difference that uh, for this match during the whole entire pay-per-view card is that there's a special stipulation. The stipulation is that if Cody loses, he will no longer be able to challenge for the AEW uh, championship. Now, before I get into all my notes, which I think I'm going to be last talking about all my notes, um, I'm going to let you guys go at it. But first, I wanted to mention that I thought Cody saying that stipulation, uh, saying stipulation like that is so old school. Very, very old school. I'm talking about like eight, like 80s NWA kind of style uh, on the actual NWA promotion power. Um, Tim Storm actually did the same thing with Nick Aldis, where Nick Aldis gave him the ultimatum of like, you know, if you lose, you never challenge me for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship ever again. Uh, and then Cody does it uh, on, well, announces it, not does it, announces it. Uh, on AEW Dynamite, and I was like, wow, he must have been watching NWA Power to do that. But I understand from Cody's point of view of why he would do that stipulation. Um, that made the match a little bit more uh, that must-see because you don't really want him to lose. Cody Rhodes is a great storyteller, and so is Jericho. Um, but, yeah, I will let Epic take it from here with uh, his thoughts on, on the match. Um, again, it, I felt like it was a pretty solid match for what it was. Um, the, C- Cody took a nasty bump. Oh, my God. Oh, my uh. gosh. <laughs> yeah, Cody took one of the nastiest bumps oh of the night. Oh, my like, God. Here we had lights out matches and stuff like that. Like, you know, guys taking, like, the craziest of bumps. But here, here's Cody taking probably one of the worst ones of the night. And it, that just goes to show what the type of matches and the, the type of uh, heart and charisma that uh, Cody will go into the match with, which is amazing. So, um, you know, nothing but praise for both guys because yeah. uh, Jericho, um, for sure, definitely wanted to put Cody over um, uh, for the type of match, for the type of stakes, for everything that they want going forward. Um, there, there was a, a swerve that happened in the match. Yep. And I felt like, you know, everyone... I felt like, okay, well, maybe most people probably should have seen that one definitely coming. Yeah. And it was, um, you know, uh, you when say NJF... We're, we're, we're at the match, you can say yeah. it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we're just building it up, you know what I mean? Storytelling. Well, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, MJF, uh, you know, Let's just say inadvertently did it the first time, and oh. then we, we, yeah. So the first time was like more like they they kind of played it off accidental, and then like the second time after the match where they're like you know MJ I was just like yeah man dude like you know I'm sorry like I, I probably cost you the match and he. Like, you know, but you expect, like, you know, M- MJF to go down on his knees. You expect, yeah, like, yeah. you know, to pull, like, you know, uh, Shinsuke Nakamura and just go full nut shot. Mm-hmm. Um, which still did happen, but it's just like, you know, after when Cody helped him up and just say, like, you, you don't need to do this, man. Just get on up. Like, you know, we can, whatever. And then, like, you know, just full on, just like, you know, feel golden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and that was it. That, that solidified the, the heel turn. Well, 
not that he was a face or anything, but he was just like, you know, Cody's right hand man, mm-hmm. like, you know, like, you know, the guy who was backing Cody. So uh, for what it is right now, we're at a point where we're um, discovering where this angle is going to go. Yeah. Because now, now that Cody's out of a championship picture, and now it opens the doors with uh, more uh, storytelling and more, um, I guess, um, more rivalries to build up. Now we have a new angle to look at. Now we have MJF, who's now focusing focusing himself into the main picture and making him like a viable threat mm-hmm. to the main roster, and um, which is. Um, which is good because, like you know, the the fans probably more so like you know, um, marks on the internet, you know, oh are definitely God. behind uh, MJF because, like you know, like you know, how how great he is on the mic and you know all that stuff. But uh, I, I think it's gonna be great. They're them two together. They're probably gonna have probably like the greatest of uh, probably rivalries because they they both could uh, you know put down you know pretty tough uh, pretty solid uh, mic skills. Mm-hmm. towards each other and i feel like um i don't know how they're gonna book it who's gonna you know fire the first shot and like you know who's gonna take the first win but come you know if we were to watch this on dynamite which for us is tomorrow yeah uh probably would be passed by the time this thing gets posted but it's gonna be interesting to see um again like you know much like we discussed a little bit earlier it's gonna open up the door for a whole lot new uh more angles more rivalries um there were certain interviews that i've heard after the pay-per-view mm-hmm. uh mainly jericho's in specific when um jericho was on and off character during that whole entire thing it was hilarious yeah, yeah. um you know going through uh there's bubbly and then uh saying that sammy guevara brought some bubbly or recommended yeah, the yeah, bubbly yeah. that they're going to try. And it's just like, you know, I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, because Jericho, you know, Jericho loves playing the crowd. Jericho loves it. And um, one, one of the things they said is like, you know, um, you know, if they're looking for more members to join the inner circle and Jericho's like, for sure, like, yeah, like, you know, if they feel like, you know, they're one of us, like, you know, someone who is like us and whatnot, who fits the bill, then, like, you know, the doors is open for them. Mm. Um, which is interesting now, because now everyone, if whoever uh, had watched um, that promo, then would be like, okay, well, you know, now, now this is interesting, because, like, you know, again, we have a whole bunch of, like, you know, we have doors open for guys, like, you know, they can speculate all they want. Let's just say, like, Moxley, like, Pac, yeah. like, MJF. Uh, maybe Dustin Rhodes, even. Maybe. I mean, eventually, they're going to have to do that story of brother turns on brother yet again. Yeah, know? it's been played on, like, every single promotion. Yeah, to death. I know. It's, it's like, ooh, okay, we get it, like, you know, um, for for what it is. And I, I hope they don't play these types of angles to death. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, let me but just... It, it, Oh, I was just gonna be like, let me just ask Geo. Uh, what, what what was I gonna ask you, Geo? <laughs> um, damn it, I don't know. Uh, do do you want to say anything about Cody versus Jericho? Even though you may have not 
saw any highlights. What was I really going to ask him? I totally forgot what I was going to ask him. Jiri, are you still with us? Yes, I am. I am. Okay. Um, do you want to add anything onto the Cody versus Jericho match? I totally forgot what I was going to ask you. Like, I was going to ask you like a, a legit sure. question. So add on whatever you want to add on. Is that just Jericho? You might have to move around. Can you hear me? Yeah. Cody can't challenge. Is that because Jericho's champ? He challenged. Wasn't a good guy. And some. Could he reverse? Okay, that was very hard to understand. You were breaking up the whole time. Uh, yeah. Joe, you want to try typing in the chat and then we can read it out? Okay. Um, while Gio types in the chat, whether it be in Discord or on one of our uh, DLive um, channels, um, I'm going to go through my notes uh, about Do this that. match. Um, so... Cody versus Jericho is a buildup um, over a couple of like dynamite episodes, and also just the fact that Chris Jericho is the first ever AEW Crown World Heavyweight Champion. Uh, nobody in AEW has yet to say thank you to him. And uh, what I found it kind of interesting was that November 9th was Jericho's birthday, so he is officially 49 years old, um, or 49 years young, according to Sammy Guevara. Uh, so happy birthday from us, the Square Circle Podcast, to you, Jericho. Um, I thought it was kind of interesting that they decided to have, like, uh, three judges on the side, which was D. Malenko, On Anderson, and The Great Muda. Um, in the event that this match went to 60 minutes and it was a draw or anything like that, the three judges had the authority and the power to basically, uh, pick a winner. Um, they would, you know, be uh, hopefully be biased. Well, unbiased, unbiased to pick a winner. Um, I also thought it was funny that Jericho went over to interact with Dean Malenko. I was just like, oh look, WCW, how great! You know, uh, those guys had some really great matches, um, and I really wish Dean Malenko was in better shape so I could still see him wrestle. But that's just me. Um, so MJF comes out. He's at he's at Cody's side. Usually, we're supposed to expect Dustin Rose to be at Cody's side, but Dustin is at home recovering from a fractural something in his arm. Basically, Jake Hager destroyed his arm by slamming a car door on his forearm. I don't know the technical terms. I'm not a doctor. Um, and then Jake Hager is at Jericho's side. How funny. Um, Cody does decide to fly over the top rope. Jericho moves out the way. Jer uh, Cody Rhodes hits his head on the ramp, completely busts himself open. And I'm just like, 
why do you need to do that? Like, you should have thought twice about that spot. Um, so he's bleeding everywhere. Luckily, the doctors did not stop the match because if blood gets his in, in his eye, that's like, that has to, like, fucking sting. It really does. Um, I do want to give some kudos to Cody's mom uh, slapping Jericho, uh, which was pretty funny. Um, I was just like, hey, you know, Cody's mom, yay. Um, aside from that, Jake Hager did something, so he got ejected for the match, and then uh, Jake attacks MJF. Um, and then Jericho, Jericho uses the oldest trick in the book in his... 29 years of professional wrestling to grab the belt, hit it against Cody, and then throw the belt away and land on the mat as if he didn't do anything. That's a classic Eddie Guerrero right there. Um, but, you know, even if Jericho did try to go over to pin Cody, it did not work. Um, so, basically, getting towards the end of the match, um, Chris Jericho puts uh, Cody in the wall... In, we can't say the walls of Jericho, which is stupid. The lion tamer, um, and then Cody gets out by going to the bottom rope, um, rope break, and then again, Jericho does it, but he does the proper lion tamer maneuver that he did in WCW. Um, and then that's when MJF is torn between saving the match and saving his friend by throwing in the towel. Honestly, when I was sitting there watching it, I don't know why I was feeling freaking sad and then like MJF throws the towel in and I'm like oh shit what the hell just happened so because MJF threw the towel in um it basically means that Cody Rhodes uh you know forfeited uh on behalf well MJM MJF helped the whole forfeiting thing however you want to say it but Cody Rhodes can no longer challenge for the AEW World Heavyweight Championship against Jericho However, there's always a loophole. If Jericho is no longer champion, I think it'd still be fine if he could, if Cody wants to challenge for the title. I don't know. I could be wrong. Um, but there's a loophole. Always loopholes. Um, so I knew from the very beginning that eventually MJF was going to turn on uh, Cody. Um, I just did not see him throwing in the towel to... Uh, to kind of blindside us from, you know, kicking him, and then there goes that 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 heel turn, and then of course the internet ruins everything. Uh, we find out the supposed fan that threw the drink at MJF. Who that person was? He is a indie professional wrestler, and I was just like, thank you, internet, for ruining it. I wanted to be in the moment. I was sucked in the moment, but you guys ruined shit. Um, and it's cool. If I get heat, it's totally fine. Um, overall, that match was really good. It was a good storytelling. Um, and it was way different from any other match there is on the card. Um, that is all of my notes. Um, uh, Chris Jericho is still your AEW champion. Um, our picks, let me see what it is. Um, wait, where did I do that? Uh... We were all neutral. We did not pick anybody. Um, and I think that we're happier that we didn't pick anybody. Uh, wouldn't you have agreed, Epic? That we that we that we didn't pick anybody? Um I think it was good for that, yes, uh, because like 
uh, that could have been different from what it was like you know it could have been a good swerve for, like you know for someone who partially runs the company to throw a strap on himself mm-hmm. or to have like one of the like you know uh champions that they have right now in professional wrestling kind of going on as a world champion for now like uh, both would have been pretty interesting angles to look at right now smart choice would still be going with jericho because he still got has a lot of momentum he's still got a lot of mileage in him and i i think he's you know looking right now at the bigger picture to work with a deeper talent pool to see who can put over next yeah um all right so now i can uh go ahead and read uh geo's uh thing so what geo was saying he was saying um that Cody can't challenge for the AEW as a babyface, but can challenge for the championship if Jericho is no longer champion and someone else, at, at meaning that if someone else is champion, he could probably do it. Uh, he could reverse his decision, or what if he turns? Um, yeah, um, I totally understand that, that, you know, maybe that can happen. Um, I do remember, again, uh, going uh remembering the questions that nick jackson had answered uh someone did ask a question about you know will that ever get reversed will uh cody rhodes decision of you know if he lost he won't challenge ever again get reversed um so nick has said that uh no decision is reversible um you know they're they're not gonna reverse any decisions but there's loopholes there, 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 there are loopholes to go through. Um, but yeah, that's one loophole. Like, you know, if Jericho somehow loses a title to somebody else, you know, Cody does have a right to face for that. Um, and I think that he'll take advantage of it. Um, overall, uh, Epic, how many stars would you give this match? Out of five? Yeah. Out of five. I would say, um, I, I would probably go on to give it a four. Four. That seems reasonable. Uh, Gio, uh, out of five, how would you rate the match? Give it f- What happened? I gave it a four. A four? Uh, we're all in agreement. Yes. Uh, we all give uh, Cody Rhodes versus Jericho for the AEW War Heavyweight Championship a four out of five. Um, we are no means uh, Dave Metzler. All right, guys, we are coming down to the wire of our podcast. Um, this is going to be one of my favorite matches to talk about. Oh, my God. Um, I do. Okay, so this is the unsanctioned lights out match uh, between John Moxley and uh, Kenny Omega at full gear. Um I wrote down a bunch of notes. I was on the edge of my seat. Um, I'm going to let Epic take this away because I, I don't know. I, I love this match. but I'm gonna If you, you want to talk about it, go go into it. I'm not going to hold you back. Oh, my Just God. Do it. Do it. Do it. <laughs> do it. All right. Do it. So some backstory, right? So for those of you that don't know, John Moxley used to be in WWE as uh, Dean Ambrose. He was part of the Shield. Um, so even when he was in WWE, 
Um, I never really understood who he was. Um, and then even before that, when he was in the Indies, I didn't know who he was at all. And then when he came to WWE, it was just like, oh, you're there. You know, you're part of the Shield. Um, you know, he had a, it should be like an eight-year run in WWE. He was unhappy. He left. He found AEW. And I think he found something that uh, can make me respect the guy. Because after this match with Kenny Omega, I respected the hell out of John Moxley. Um, I am not a fan. I am not going to be like, oh, my God, you know, I have to buy a Moxley shirt. But I will say I respect the dude and his attention to detail and storytelling to professional wrestling. Um, WWE did hinder him. Um, WWE, you know, thought that everything he did was good shit. Uh, but... This match uh, really helped out uh, his career, and it also helped out Kenny Omega's career. I followed Kenny Omega ever since I saw him wrestle in Ring of Honor. Um, I was there when, not really his first debut, but when he used to wear his uh, green trunks. So we're talking about that long ago. And I just followed his career ever since. So I'm a huge Kenny Omega fan, and I'm not going to shy away from that, like, Kenny is my go-to guy for, like, winning matches and everything like that. Um, so, for this one, this is a lights-out match. Their story has been brewing... Bu okay, their, their, their story has been escalating. I'm using the wrong words here. I'm, I'm like, excited about this. Uh, Take your time. Over, like, a six-month period. Um, and so, at first... Um, John Moxley decided to go to Japan and, you know, uh, win matches over there, try to get into the mindset of Kenny Omega because Kenny Omega is very huge in New Japan uh, wrestling. Like, he's well-known. He main evented, uh, you know, Tokyo Dome and stuff like that. So John once again decided to head and try to see if he could pick apart the best bout machine because he doesn't believe that Kenny Omega is the, be the best bout machine. Um, so while he's over there in Japan, he accidentally gets a staph infection. And, uh, when word got back to the States about, you know, John being out of action because he had a staph infection, Kenny didn't like that. So Kenny went completely 100% honest in his promo about it. Um, and basically told John that, you know, that's not a professional, you know, you wrestling in other companies just to try to make yourself better. And then all of a sudden you get um, an infection and you can't wrestle me. You know, there, there's no professionalism there. And then now we're finally here. And I think that was an, an enough buildup to have the story that they told in this Lights Out match. Uh, because everyone on Twitter was saying that it was too soon, you know, maybe this should have been a little bit longer, but I'm like, no, it was the right amount of time for this because you felt that story in there. So a Lights Out unsanctioned match means that anything goes. Uh, whoever wins or loses, it doesn't affect their, their record at all. It's just that, you know, the company is not liable for what these guys are going to do to each other. Um, so. Here are just my notes that I just want to go through. Um, in the match, Kenny Omega does a black uh, backflip with a trash can. <sighs> Kenny, you know, doing stuff like that, cool, man. Just don't do it often. Um, they brought out the this big thing of mousetraps. 
And I sort of giggled to myself when I saw it. I was like, really? We're going with mousetraps? Um, and, but it did not, when, I forgot who, who got, uh, do you guys remember who got uh, jumped on the mousetraps? Was it Kenny? Or was it, was it John? Epic, if you remember the highlight. Uh, I know the spot you're talking about, but I'm also drawing that. Oh, uh, blank. Thing. All right. All right. So either Kenny or John took that that bump on the mousetraps. Um, it didn't. I thought like all of them would go off. Not all of them went off. I was just like, oh, you know, okay. That, that's what they do. Um, oh, I wrote it down. Oh, my God. Why am I asking? I, I really wrote down Kenny takes a mousetrap spot. I really wrote that. Uh, and then Kenny does a sidewalk slam on the chairs to uh, Moxley, and Kenny does that awesome uh, neck breaker um, as well. Um, the funny part is, is that people on Twitter was uh, replaying the line that Kenny has said that uh, to John Moxley, "What, John? You gonna chain wrestle me?" And like, uh, John takes out a freaking uh, chain and like wraps it around Kenny and and shit, and like chain wrestles him. You know, to be funny, um, Kenny almost kills him by freaking hanging him with the damn chain. I was like, what, what's wrong with you, man? Um, they finally used that table at the spot, which is uh, pretty good. And then, you know, I thought they were going to do a thumbtack spot, but no, they did a, a broken glass spot. And um, I just thought that was, I was like, really, guys? We're going to be using the broken glass that you got put through as a weapon? Okay, awesome. Um, and then Kenny drags Moxley like through the glass and then does a sharpshooter on Moxley on top of the glass. So that way when John is trying to get to the bottom rope, you know, he's crawling through that glass. That right there is storytelling. If you guys don't understand that, like it's storytelling because Kenny, as far as I know, he never went that extreme. He never went um, into a really, 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 really dark place. Um, I do know when he was the cleaner in uh, New Japan, you know, you'll see some, some, some signs of that he could go there. But, be, but John Moxley took it out of Kenny to go to the deepest, darkest place. And I think that kind of made him an all-round wrestler to where not only can he chain wrestle, not only can he do hardcore stuff, not only can he tell a good story in this match, but right now he is a top guy to sort of do that with because he could he could do it all. It uh whatever you need him to do, whatever you need him to tell, it's there. And we get it. Um if you don't get it, that's totally fine, you know, no hard feelings, but we get it, we understand what they were doing. Um especially uh you know, Kenny doing that sharpshooter on John Moxie on the glass also tells you um, that Kenny has a one-up on John to be like, well, you know, John, you've always been a hardcore type of guy. Well, let me show you what I can do, and I need you to um, sort of see if you could get out of this in a way. Like, you know, he was one step ahead if Kenny had to do that in a way. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, oh, wait, what the, in the lights out matches, no rope breaks. Uh, and then there's that ice pick that got thrown into the match, and Kenny uses it on Moxie's head. I, I thought it was going to be the other way around. 
because you know Moxley's a hardcore guy, so I thought it was gonna be that. And then that barbed wire, that barbed wire spider web thing that Kenny created. Uh, for those of you that um, haven't watched the new Being the Elite episode, they kind of do talk about that little uh, contraption that Kenny built, um, and you know it's it is kind of hard seeing, I guess, a friend. I don't know how to say this part, but, you know, it is hard seeing your favorite wrestler. There we go. Your favorite wrestler go through all this pain and through all this stuff just for our entertainment, for our excitement. Um, but that barbed wire um, spiderweb thing, that was a little overboard, but I don't mind it. Um, both guys came out okay. Um, you know, there wasn't no huge inju- injury where they're like, all right, we got to stop the match. Um, it just added to it more where both guys took it. Um, uh, and then Kenny does the V trigger through the full gear set. Whenever Kenny does the V trigger or the Snapdragon suplex, you're dead. Like, seriously, you're dead. Um, and then, uh, getting down to the, to the last part. So, while Kenny attempts to put away John Moxley, John Moxley has a certain spirit that will not lie down. Um, and they proceed to uh, take take the ring apart, uh, which I personally hate that in the business. I really do. I hate exposing the ring to fans. That's just me. That's my pet peeve, but I'll deal with it. Um, so uh, John takes apart the ring. There's the floorboards. That's that's no joke, guys. It's really not. I've built a ring. I've taken the ring down. I've been part of Ring Crew. It's no freaking joke at all. So, um, Kenny decides to do a Phoenix Splash, and he misses, and he crashes and burns on the freaking plywood. What the hell were you thinking? Like that 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 tore my heart. I was like, what the fuck, man? Seriously. Like, you know, and even you could see the hesitation um, in him getting on top of the top rope to fucking do this shit. I was just like, why did you agree to that spot? You should have never did that spot. Anyway, um, so uh, Kenny had kicked out. The only reason why Kenny kicked out is because of wrestler's instinct. And then um, Dean Ambrose uh, does the double arm paradigm shift on the boards. (coughs) Excuse me. Um, And wins the match. Uh, was I upset that John won? No. Yeah, I, I was going to say probably, maybe. <laughs> uh, a bit. Um, okay, so like a bit I was upset, but uh, the match from start to finish, I did not want that to end for some reason. They told a perfectly good story that I was attached to. Um, and I understood everything that they did and why they did it. Um, and it made both wrestlers that much better. Um, I think I wasn't really mad because I sort of respected John at that point. Um, did I want Kenny to win? Of course I want Kenny to win. Um, cause Kenny is the best bout machine in my opinion. Um, and you know, Kenny didn't win. Um, let me see, let me see about you guys. Uh, you guys picked, uh, both of you guys picked Moxley. <laughs> Both of you yeah, guys picked. Seemed to be the obvious choice, if you ask me. <laughs> All right, Epic. Why? Why was it the obvious choice? Go ahead. You can go. Um, 
I I think it was like that because uh that that was just like the easiest pick. I I feel like right now at this point there are people who are running the company who are willing to put talent over, and there are people who are you know saying that they got a lot left in the tank. And uh, I feel at this point Kenny was okay with putting Moxley over. Um, it, it was a safe it was a safe bet. It was a great thing. It, it was a good investment because um. As much as we like, you know, our favorites to go over, as much as we want, um, um, I, I guess that, uh, you know, that that connection that that we, that we have with our favorite stars, you want them to go over, you want them to do well. Uh, and at the same time, they got to look at, you know, the overall business, the investment that they have in their talent. Um, even though they have a lot of established stars uh, within their system right now. Uh, go with Moxley and building up his stock is um right now is like a better opinion, you know, because like everybody feels like you know anybody who goes to AEW probably gonna you know uh they're gonna know my god they're gonna know the box they're gonna know Cody, uh it, it's synonymous at this point but you know going in there and just like okay well there's Moxley here's you know everybody else but. Um, with with everyone kind of having their own say, I, I feel like again with the direction that they're going with, I agree. Because um, long term, that these guys still got a lot of time to build things up, to establish a name, to establish a brand, to establish uh, their talent. So, I I feel like you know no one really lost anything by losing out on this match or any of the matches. Uh, up to this point, mm. it's just more so of like you know gaining that identity, getting the people to, um, again, kind of buy your stock. You, you want people to believe in like you know what you bring to the table and what credibility you have. Um, overall, like you know, even though I've been kind of harping on like you know the, the type of stars that people bring to the table, the kind of characters that they are, the type of in-ring abilities that they display, um. Every, everything is too soon to tell still like we're we're not like a technically we're not a full year in yet like they've what launched what uh october yeah for uh, october. Like, uh, dynamite if that's what you mean literally aew like you know being televised and everything like that they're they're just like you know a month in to their programming and they've only released like there's all in there was fighter fest and there was all out. for the fallen yeah. there was all out so and they had like it. what four four shows yeah that they did before they before they launched their brand so within all that stuff they created awareness with four shows and now that they have all this television time to build another uh another identity on television and it's um uh, again, too soon to tell, and I feel like you know the way that they're going right now. The again, like the investment they want to do with all these people is the right way to go. Yeah. Um, Gio, do you want to add anything? Gio, no. you might have to move around. It just, Keep it moving. fits my concern where he 
you're totally breaking up. I can't even hear you at this moment. For anyone that's watching this uh podcast, um, just so you know, we're using a Discord chat. Um, that's one of the reason why uh Jill is in and out sometimes. Sometimes. Can you hear me? Hardly. I go with Moxley because he left ODA. He took up one of AW's top, which is mm-hmm. so he wants himself expend. You might have to keep moving around. Yeah, like is it- at the beginning, you sound fine, and then you cut back out. Yeah. So, just for everyone out there to know, Gia was saying that um, uh, his pick was John Moxley because John left WWE, um, and then he went to AEW and decided to basically fight the biggest star that AEW had, which is Kenny Omega. Um, and then from there, I don't know what else. Oh. Be a <laughs> fighter that is. I think the elbow um, situation Moxley delayed led to Vine Park So you're saying that his uh, elbow injury led to the hardcore match? That's what I was able to gather. No, I still think the match would have been like a one match, but because Oxy regular match with make up of this lights out. Uh huh. I think Moxie would have person. Okay, I have no. It just might oh. have been hard style. We really got to work on why you keep cutting in and out. We really do. Um, all right. Uh, I was going to add on to this that, um, it was a really nice dance. Um, even if it was unsanctioned and, uh, whoever won or lost did not matter. Um, that's still always going to probably bother Omega in the back of his mind that he lost to John Moxley. So it might help him, uh, increase his game and stuff like that but i do appreciate the fact that someone like kenny omega with a huge history um in this business will um be able to put other people over and it's not always you know about him about him about him um i totally appreciate that from him and from everyone else on aew who wants to put other people over so that way people on twitter won't say oh, you know, these guys are always in it for themselves, you know, they're always putting themselves over and stuff like that. Now, if the story makes sense to put yourself over, 
then do it. If it doesn't, no. But um, I highly appreciate that from all the performers. And um, I really thought that Moxley helped Omega become a bigger, more rounder star. Like, Omega right now uh, is... I, you know, there's always room for people to grow. But right now, I think he's complete as a wrestler. Um, and then vice versa. Omega helped Moxley to get his name out there for someone like me to give him respect. Um, especially when I don't really understand John Moxley at all. I really don't. Um, I would love to have a sit-down conversation with this guy. I would love to have him on the podcast one day just to talk about life and talk about wrestling and all that. Like, I really want to get to know him. At this point, I kind of respect the guy. And that's all it is. Um, I'm not going to say I'm his fan or anything, but I respect the guy. I respect for what he does and what this match actually did. Um, if I was, you know, the female version of Dave Messler, I'd probably give this uh, match a 10. Um, but uh, I will give the match four and a half stars. Uh, Epic, what do you give the match? Um, I'm probably going to give it a, just a generous four. Generous for cool, cool. Uh, Gia, what do you give it? Four. A four? All right, you know, I'll give it a four and a half. I'm more generous. Um, just so you know, um, obviously, even though it's a lights out match and these points don't count for it, um, I said Kenny will go over. Unfortunately, Kenny didn't do it. Uh, Epic and Geo said Moxie would win. Um, overall, I thought uh, Full Gear was a fantastic, um, solid pay-per-view. Um, you know, they would always need improvement. You know, any company would need improvement. Um, you know, before I decided to stream the podcast, I did tell Epic that um, I had wanted to bring in one other person to talk about and we're gonna quickly just talk about seth rollins oh my god uh so today is tuesday happy tuesday guys yesterday was um monday night raw and you know they opened up i guess it was the opening of the show um so seth rollins says that wwe is his home you know he's not going anywhere and that he proceeds to say that he is the best wrestler in the world. That got me upset. Uh, it got me upset because it's like, dude, you're still in the same company that you've been in for years. You did not decide, you know, you know, four years in, you're like, hey, Vince, you know, maybe this isn't for me anymore. I want to go out, explore other options. I want to release from my contract. No, he is there uh, being comfortable. And sometimes when you're comfortable and you're complacent, you say things that are company made and you don't see the bigger picture. Um, I do not consider Seth Rollins to be the best wrestler in the world right now. Um, he did not travel anywhere else outside of WWE. His career, I followed his whole career. His whole career is basic, was basically the indies. Uh, he got signed with Ring of Honor. He was the youngest Ring of Honor world champion. Uh, he went to New Japan for a little bit. He did a little bit with Age of the Fallen, with Jimmy Jacobs and all that. He didn't really go anywhere. 
He still remained in DC. He got signed to developmental for FCW at the time, and then now it's NXT. Um, and now he's on the main roster on WWE. He's no longer champion. He lost it to The Fiend. But for him to say that he's the best wrestler in the world is absurd. Um, once again, he's going to go back to um, every person that he tries to fight on Twitter. Um, you know, going back to Kenny Omega and taking the jab at him, saying that, you know, uh, Kenny hasn't proved himself. He's Kenny's not in WWE, and then when Kenny's done with AEW, you know, come to WWE and we'll have a match at, like, WrestleMania and stuff like that. Um, Seth Rollins does the same moves over and over and over again in, in the matches. The matches are predictable. At least when you watch an AEW match, you don't, te- you don't technically know what's going to happen or what's the finisher. You do know that with certain people, there will be spots. Um, with Seth Rollins, it's always a spot fest. It's the same thing. Uh, my whole issue is that you don't claim to be something when you've only worked for one company and one company alone. You are probably the best wrestler on the WWE roster and you could give a good match with the right person paired up, but in the world, no. Uh, Even though sometimes saying this stuff can create controversy and could create heat and that and that's what we want we want competition we want people to talk shit about each other but if you can't deliver the fact that you are the best wrestler that you say you are don't talk the shit that you can't back up and it's the same he just gets me upset <laughs> this is ah but you said what what happened jail Epic, you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. All right, cool. I'm just I'm just letting off some steam because it just it just annoys me. Um, cause I really want a wrestler to really say that they are the best wrestler in the world when they've been to other places. Um, because it will be nice one day that Seth Rollins is no longer controlled by Vince McMahon and creative that he says in a promo, I'm opening the door up to there goes our ghost. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> um, I want him to say one day that he's opening the door as for an open challenge to anyone that wants to come to WWE for one night only, or he goes over to another promotion. Like I would have loved to see the match between him versus Will Ospreay. And I'm not really a big Ospreay fan, but I would love to see that. They were talking shit on Twitter. It was getting heat. It was it was about to happen. But no, that did not go through. And I'm like, it should have went through. Um, and then him, you know, taking jabs at Kenny Omega. Like, one day I would love to see Kenny Omega versus Seth Rollins in a match to decide who's the best wrestler in the world. Um... No, Ravage Lance, I am not the new Jim Cornette. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> um, I'm really not the new Jim Cornette. But uh, <laughs> that that's what I want to see. I don't want to just hear on the mic bullshit that, that's, that we know that's never going to happen. You know, um, so 
aside from him saying all this, um, they're they're in Manchester, UK, and out comes Walter. Walter is the WWE UK champion. Uh, they proceed to have a one-on-one match. Um, next thing I know, because I'm I am searching on Twitter, you guys could get on me for that. Um, on Twitter, WWE puts that the one-on-one match that Seth Rollins and Walter was just having is now an eight-man tag match. How does turning a singles match into an eight-man tag match help Seth Rollins's cause by saying he's the best wrestler in the world? Right now, he's because cur- they don't want him taking out Walter, which is NXT UK's top prospect. Still, but you get my frustration, right? Like he says he's the best wrestler in the world, and then all of a sudden, it has to be turned into an eight-man to protect the wrestlers. Why? <laughs> well. I don't know them being in Manchester. With his so they're gonna use the NXT, you know, UK talent. They're gonna give the fans something amazing to look at, but at the same time, they're just like, "Well, we got to protect somebody. Send, send in the, <sighs> send in the jobbers." Oh my god! Yeah, pretty much. But like, but you understand where I'm coming from, right? If someone is gonna talk all this shit, like, don't protect the other person. Let the person be like, yeah, this is why I'm the best wrestler in the world. I could beat your top guy. That's what happened back in the territory days. You know, why is this so, like, okay, so if Walter did get beat by Seth Rollins, do you think people will be upset? Like, would that change anything? I don't know. I'm just throwing out shit here. <laughs> I, am. I mean, he beat Walter. Does that make their what happened? He beats Walt. That may... You might have to he walk lost... around, dude. Hear me? No. Ravageland's coming in with the keeping the kayfabe. Keeping it kayfabe. Gio, you there, buddy? Barely. I have no idea what we're going to do about your, you know, your stuff. Yeah. Unless you want to type it again and Epic says what Epic needs to say. Okay. All right. So Epic, help me out here, man. With my whole frustrations. I mean, Rollins is building up on a character, and he's playing up the social media, and he's throwing a buzz. So, I mean, he he's winning at the end of it. Like, he's getting all the emotions from all the fans out there, and like, you know, he he's getting, you know, all that all that buzz. It may not be great buzz, but it's better than nothing at all. He's generating something. He's trying to, I would say, like, kind of keep himself a little bit more relevant. Um. You know, we're, we're probably going to end up seeing another Rollins Lesnar match down the line somewhere. Probably, but... I don't want to see that. Uh, you know what's going to happen. Though. I know like, it you know, is, but I don't Rollins see being it. on Raw and Lesnar being on Raw now, you, you know it's going to happen. Yeah, I don't want to see it. WWE, I hope you see this podcast. <laughs> um, but for what it is, though, I mean, you know, Rollins can keep you know shooting. <laughs> rainbows up his ass all he wants to stoke his ego or whatever like at the end of the day fans know what they want to see fans you know 
know what they want. So, I mean, it, it doesn't really hurt any. It's just like, you know, people just saying things and that's all it is at the end of the day is just people saying things and yeah. just let them be. I mean, I'll let them be too. I just, I just want, I just don't want it to be like, um, I don't want it to feel like he's just saying it because he's part of the company and the company don't know what to do. You know, um, like he's definitely a company man. Seth Rollins is a company man, but Seth Rollins hasn't really grown um, since staying in one place. You know, um, yeah, you know, I, you know what? I'm not even going to take away that he works. He works very, very hard. He does. He works really, really hard. But there hasn't been any type of evolve with Seth Rollins. Um, his promos are still, you know, he still need work on his promos. And he's been how many years in the business? Like, come on. Um, his wrestling is solid. It is. It's solid, but it's very spot fest now because that's a very easier way when you have the WWE uh, schedule. You've got to have to have some type of safety net because, you know, doing crazy high-risk moves every single time is not going to help anybody in any situation. Um, I just wish he would stop playing himself because it's like, bro, you talk all this shit. I'm not believing one word you're saying. I can't get behind you as a champion or not even a champion. I just need Seth Rollins to reinvent himself or Seth Rollins uh, gets off of TV for a while to take a really extended break because I think he needs to find himself as a performer um, to be better, um, especially if you want to try to carry the mantle of you stating you're the best wrestler in the world. Um, yeah, you need some time off um, and reinvent yourself. But I feel like oh, he needs to beat Shane McMahon for that stuff, though. <laughs> Just saying. Okay, Just I, saying. I got that. I got that. Even though I, I sort of cut you off, but yeah, um, yeah. See, th see, this is why, like, I need you here to counteract what I say, Epic. I really do. Um, I am the fiery one. Um, this is like my huge ass passion. I love professional wrestling, so sometimes, you know, I get, like, super passionate about this shit. So I need Epic to calm me down. I need Geo to calm me down as well. And even Alpha Russ. Um, and no, I am not the new Jim Cornette. That would be hilarious if people start that. That would be hilarious. Um, so Geo over here said, if the UK champion lose, does that hurt their champion? Kinda. It kinda does. Um... But then again, that opens the doors to what they should have done in the beginning of this AEW versus WWE war. Yes, it's sort of a war. Um, if Seth Rollins did beat the UK champion, it opens the door for Rollins to now explore the UK side of the WWE. So that way he could sort of claim that he's the best wrestler in the world. Your thoughts, Epic? Um, I feel like it's it's great in a way. Now would be the best time to do it because of Survivor Series. But I feel like if they keep doing this the way that they, you know, at this point the way it is, then the brand splits and all that stuff is just really much all for nothing. If they're gonna keep, uh, you know, throwing superstars and shuffling them around still, you know, after Survivor Series, build up your brands, build up like you know whatever stars you have on each roster, um. 
Like, there's absolutely no need, you know, to kind of build up speculation at this point. Have, like, the fans go home happy, you know, to seeing a one-off match between certain sets of superstars, whether win, lose, or draw. Um, just as long as, like, you know, in t- like, certain superstars don't get buried in the process. Because I felt like, you know, the moment that I saw, what is it? Um, Mark Andrews and uh, Flash Morgan Webster against Warmachine. Oh. I thought that was going to be a burial. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know the the two former U, uh, NXT UK tag champions, uh, you know high flyers, did get a great amount of ops- uh, offense in there up until I felt uh, Mark Andrews fucked up, and um, Roe was definitely not having it. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> like he just completely went off afterwards. Yeah, which by the way, I did not watch the full entire Raw. It was just you know clips and pieces of Raw that I saw on Twitter. Um, and then I'm just reacting to that. And all I want to do is just react to the Rollins thing. Um, our next uh, podcast, hopefully, can be on a Thursday to talk about everything that we haven't talked about yet, like a full WWE thing, a full AEW, a full NWA type of stuff. Um, we'll see. We'll keep you guys posted. Because... Um, Thursday is a weird day, especially since I work that day, and we're not sure that we're going to be working. Like, it's it's a weird day. But that's just tentative. If not, it'll be again on a Tuesday or whenever I can work around my actual real-life schedule. Um, I enjoyed uh, episode six of this podcast. Uh, I enjoyed talking about the pay-per-view in full, giving um, you guys our opinions and stuff like that. I am so happy that Epic and Gio were able to join me. Um, any closing words from you guys? See you next episode. Okay. Hey, 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 hey. Smoke weed. No, okay, I'm kidding. No. Um, no. <laughs> no, I'm just saying. Um, I'm just saying, like, you know, th- thank you guys again for tuning into another great podcast. Um, now, again, if if you guys enjoyed everything that you guys liked here, you know, support the channel, uh, support the uh, support the creators, support the individuals in the podcast. Um, again, we were, were open for criticism, so please, if you guys would love to in the chat state, you know, what it is we can improve on, whatever it is you want us to cover in future podcasts to come. Um, hold on, I I had a thought here. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um like you know criticisms and like you know how should um uh you know carry on certain types of pro- um Hi, topics or whatnot you. bye it's... uh <laughs> sorry man like our, our freaking ghost <laughs> yeah um but yes i mean a- anything that you guys um you know w- would love to give us criticism on positive and or negative um, anything in between, guys, let, let us know. I mean, Mr. Emotional is in the chat right now. He's just saying, like, you know, he, he's been listening the whole time. Oh, cool. Uh, throwing in his, you know, his uh, two cents in the chat about certain things. And, I mean, if, if it's something you guys would love to hear a lot more often, let let us know. And then uh, we'll, we'll, we'll try to make things happen with the with our really, really tight schedule. Yeah. Like, right now, we're only trying to pump out um, maybe one episode per week so far. Yeah, but uh, depending on how things are progressive. Mm-hmm um sometimes like you know marie white like you know always be uh pumping these things out every tuesday some of us might not even be here all the time for that stuff um but but, i mean if you like certain individuals in the podcast by all means make your voices heard um and and 
tried we're, we're trying to reach out to other certain individuals as well um uh, to be on these casts to for different types of insight for us to gain experience through them as well so i mean we're, we're working on different types of uh uh, on different types of uh, ways of approach for other people to kind of show up here as well. So um, patience, we'll, we'll get there. And then when we do, like, you know, it'll be a treat for you guys. This is why I need Epic with me. Um, that was a wonderful closeout to remind people about that kind of stuff. So uh, just quickly, some more stuff. Um, these podcasts will go up on anchor.fm. We are on there. Um, I will leave uh, most of the links in the chat and in in the description uh right when this is done it will be uploaded to youtube for everyone on there to watch the video on demand if you guys like this video always make sure to to subscribe um to share to tweet out and stuff like that we love interacting with all of our fans this is the official d live square circle podcast hosted by marie shadows joined by epic joined by geo and joined by alpha russ we will have more guests to come um in 2020 i'll let you guys know that now um just so you know um we will have a donation goal every time that we do this um currently right now it's uh 500 it's called the keeping the kayfabe fund so what happens is that when you guys are on d life with us and when you are watching and engaging um, at the end of the stream, we will always try to open up the chest and give you guys 5% back of whatever the, uh, the, the donos we made back to you guys, uh, just to keep that encouragement, just to grow that community, um, which I will probably do in the chat. Um, I don't even have enough um, for that, so I'll just put 10 extra uh, for it, and... We are going to distribute the uh, rewards. Um, so whoever is there on my side can do it. I don't know if anyone saw it. Yeah, no one really saw it on the, the podcast. But if you are a DLive user, just know that you're able to get some lemons back for engaging and stuff like that. YouTube, uh, I'll explain to you guys too. But um, I want to thank everybody again for being here, listening, giving us uh, comments and stuff like that. And we will see you guys in the next episode. And that's a wrap, guys. Thank you for listening to episode 6 of the Square Circle Podcast. Hosted by Marie Shadows. Joined by Epic. Joined by Jill. We have a great podcast. We hope you're here.